genre. Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyzed and celebrated Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies one minute at a time. But today we're doing something different. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Zach Luna. Hey, I'm Brian Green. Hi, Brian. How's it going? Good, good. good. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, thank you for thank you for joining us on this special April Fool's edition of Spider-Man Minute, uh, where we are finally talking about something that we've threatened to do. Since I think the fir- very first episode of Spider-Man Minute, uh, which is uh, we're finally going to have the turn off the dark conversation. Yeah. I've been begging um, Scott to make this happen for years. Yeah. And, yeah. In, in years. <laughs> well, here it finally is. Thank so God. You're going to light up Broadway. Just yeah, like that. So, <laughs> so Spider-Man, hmm. turn off the dark. Um, a... Uh, a, a a a title to a Broadway musical, a title that I can only f- I I feel like is pretty meaningless. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I can't I can't really figure out. I know there's a song called "Turn Off the Dark," but it really just feels like it's called "Turn Off the Dark." Like I it, it, I mean, the whole thing just feels like a like a like a like a U two album. Um, yes yeah the I way that, why that is the way that the way that uh the way that the uh the batman soundtrack is just a prince album this is very much just a u2 album yeah. uh and it feels like turn off the dark is just the title track of the album and that's why it's called spider-man turn off the dark yeah because it's uh, you know a phrase that sounds like it means something and then the longer you look at it the more confusing and meaningless it becomes like somebody yeah. at some point was like yeah that's cool it, that's all it needs to be is cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. Turn off the dark. I don't want Instead to of- in my Broadway shows. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not um I'm not entirely sure where to begin here. Uh did you guys watch the the video essay I sent you? Yes. Yes. And I did some yeah. uh cursory uh Wikipediaing as well, and I watched yeah. a run through of the show, a like a, a webcam run through the show yeah and i hunted down yeah. some of the earlier versions as well yeah 
Um, um, this is a this is something. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Julie Taymor. Um, I guess we should start with her because I yeah. think that uh, you know, obviously, she gets a lot of blame for what happened here. Um, Brian, you're the only one of us that's actually seen it, right? I, I have like, seen it with my actual eyeballs. With yeah. your face in the same room as yes. the performers? Yeah. yeah so, uh, where were you Where yeah, were you Tell, si- tell the story, please. So please. The, the video that you sent me, the one that's on YouTube, uh, mm-hmm. I was actually sitting almost exactly where that guy was, whoever was filming. Okay. Uh, I yeah. was, so, uh, give you a little background. I was, my wife and I, uh, then girlfriend, it was back in 2012, the summer of 2012, she and I were planning on going to New York. We had tickets for Book of Mormon and a bunch of other shows. Well, I got to actually end up with a free trip to New York about two weeks before that. Uh, I was oh. uh, I lost a lot of weight on Weight Watchers, and they wanted to fly me up for a photo shoot. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And nice. It's pretty cool. Like, uh, and so I got to do a like a really like a big photo shoot uh, in this really amazing studio. Like it was it was really cool. So uh, I wanted to go see a show. Obviously, I'm a, uh, I'm a big huge theater person, so I wanted to see a show. And I wanted to see something that I knew that my wife would not get mad at me for seeing without her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. And so I was just looking at what was available at the time, and like, and I was like, I kind of got to see Turn Off the Dark, right? Like, I I, I got to do this. I got to know. Yeah. And yeah. So I went, I got uh, the rush tickets. Uh, if, you, if you've never been to New York uh, for a, a Broadway show, they have so, uh, they have what's called the rush, and they also have the lottery. Uh, the lottery, they'll draw names out of a hat to give out, uh, to sell inexpensive tickets, like 30, 40 bucks. Uh, that right. are usually pretty good seats. Uh, they also mm-hmm. do the rush uh, at some theaters. They've, they've kind of uh, phased this out because people line up way too early for them. Uh but they had a rush for Spider-Man and you had to get there at the box office in like an hour before the box office opens and they give out uh, up to two tickets to 20 people for 30 bucks. Uh, and typically these seats are like in the front of the orchestra. They're usually some of the best seats in the house. Um, yeah. Holy cow. For this show, though, because so much of the action takes a place above the orchestra, uh, they right. put they gave us seats in the first two rows of the fly zone, which is the, the first rows of the mezzanine. And so you are, uh, so you are at the same level as all of the, the stunts that take place over the orchestra. Wow. So like you, if, when somebody goes zip lining by a Spider-Man or a goblin Mm -hmm. or what have you, Mm -hmm. they are at your level. Correct. And there, and so I was in the, uh, so I was in that first (laughs) row, of the mezzanine and I could reach out and I could touch one of the platforms that Spider-Man landed on. Gee whiz. And so there were points where I was inches away from Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's where I was sitting. Uh, overall, I, I had a blast. It was a good time. <laughs> it's, it, it, I, I, I joke and I say, I love this show and I, uh, it, I, I joke that it's good. It's not good, but I, I had a, a damn good time watching it sure yeah. sure it's I very expensive i i yeah. will say are there are is there any other broadway show in existence where what is ostensibly a backup dancer gets to play the lead multiple times in the show hmm 
Well, that's a good question. Because that's pretty cool. I mean, obviously, yeah. it ends up not being great for them because they, uh, you know, break their ribs and there's all kinds of accidents <laughs> and things that happened over the course of this show. But in, in, you know, when you're just thinking about like this as an opportunity, it's like, how often does a backup dancer get to play the lead of the show? Let alone like seven backup dancers. Yeah. Right. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, like for, for moments where they are doing their backup dancer thing, you know, they're dressed as Spider-Man and they are Spider-Man in that moment. And yeah. so the whole audience is focused on them. You know, the audience breaks out into applause a lot when mm-hmm, Spider-Man yeah. shows up. So it's like you get to play the lead for, for, you know, a few seconds or a few minutes at a time. Um, because there's only, if you're, if you're doing flips and stuff, there's only so much you can do uh before <laughs> they shuffle you, you off stage. yeah before they shovel you off and replace you with another backup dancer because it's like you know there's all yeah there's just there's only so many times you can flip around before it's just like okay i need a break this is a lot <laughs> <laughs> i don't care how athletic you are so yeah, it's but, gotta uh, be a unique vibe mm, yeah so i want to i want to tell you guys something that they do in the show that i don't think communicated in the video that was on youtube um, mm-hmm. So there's a point in the show. I think it's toward the end, around the Green Goblin battle uh, with on the with the uh, the Chrysler Building. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a point where Spider-Man starts popping up at different spots in the theater, and oh. so I was on the very end of that first row of the mezzanine, and there was an exit door to my right, and all of a sudden I hear a bang. And I look to my right. Spider-Man is right in my face. And he sprays me with his web blaster. Whoa. (laughs) Yes. And essentially what had come out of it was like essentially like very, very tightly packed paper, essentially. It was like kind of like a Mm -hmm. long, like a streamer that was like folded like over and over and over and over again. And so and yeah, like I had web web all over me. Wow. (laughs) And he and it's like I heard it and and he goes. Hey there, or something like that. It was a Spidey quip, and yeah, it sprays yeah. me in the face, and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> it was Spider Man. Yeah, it was yeah. Spider Man, and this this the show. It is candy, and it, like it is so much candy fun that I didn't care how bad it was when I was watching it, <laughs> and I wish sure. everyone had a chance to experience it. Yeah, um, I I mean I I li- I've been listening to the soundtrack for the past week, um, trying my best to enjoy myself, and it just was not happening. Um, <laughs> I I'll be honest, I have a I have a real problem with musicals who like that like all of the songs are like it's like they're like let's do something different and like let's make it not sound like your typical musical and then they make (laughs) these songs and it just sounds like trash like it just doesn't sound good um i think i feel like the only instance of that working in my opinion has been hamilton um and that's its own special thing but in general like if you're making a musical like just make it sound like a musical because these songs (laughs) suck like they're bad um okay so what do you think of rent uh, yeah. I don't I don't know Rent very well, but I okay. know that one the number the number song sounds like a musical song like Seasons sounds... of Love. Yeah, the, well the rest of it is very talk singy uh, op- rock opera. 
Okay, yeah, I yeah. don't like rock opera. I I hate Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, I think it's one so of the worst musicals ever made. Oh, see, uh, I, okay. I actually just saw the uh, revival of Jesus Christ Superstar on tour, and I went into it. I got a free ticket from a friend, and I went and saw it, and it was kind of mind blowing. I didn't think I was going to like it all that much, and the first time I'd ever seen it live blew my mind and i think my favorite thing they did with that was when they are whipping jesus they are not whipping him they are throwing confetti on him so or not oh. confetti not confetti uh, glitter so like by the end of it he is just like disco ball jesus like just shining <laughs> red jesus disco ball and oh, wow it was <sighs> it was stunning <laughs> i'm not gonna lie <laughs> There is a, it's it's probably helpful to like delineate like a, an enjoyable experience versus like a meaningful piece of art, you know, right. that like of course it's entirely possible for me to watch a thing and enjoy myself while I'm watching it and also not think it's a very good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh yeah. or sometimes I watch something that's a very meaningful piece of art and it's not enjoyable uh, as I'm watching it. Um yeah. mm-hmm. that also exists as well. Um I I can't remember who I got this from originally, but I used to say uh, not candy, but uh, pop tart movies, like <laughs> a movie where you're eating it or you're consuming it. Sorry, you're consuming the movie, and uh, moment to moment, you're like, I'm having fun. Like this is just silly, dumb fun. But uh, there's no nutritional substance to it at all, and uh, like Venom, yeah, like Venom, yeah, like Venom. I think <laughs> is a is a pop tart movie, and um, yeah. I have a lot of fun watching Venom. Uh, I don't think it would very be very good for me if the only thing I ate was Pop Tarts or the only kind of movie I watched was Venom. But Precisely. as like right. a random treat, you know, it's a yeah. random like <laughs> departure from the norm. That might be okay. And that's kind of the vibe I had while like uh, looking at footage from this uh, thing and uh, checking behind <laughs> the scenes stuff. But I think the closest I got to like getting it, like getting what appeal there was or why people thought it might work or, uh, um, you know, getting on this thing's wavelength was a video they had where, uh, Reeve, whatever his name is, uh, I keep forgetting his name. Uh, oh, Reeve, Reeve Carney. Reeve Carney. Carney. Yeah. yeah. I keep wanting to call him grief Carga from, <laughs> from the Mandalorian, but that's not his name. Reeve Carney. Uh, he did like a, 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 a backstage tour of it. And, uh, Ooh. And he, he was just talking about like they were, they were doing a rehearsal, uh, like a put in rehearsal because they had a new person coming on to the show and they had to run through the show with them. And so it was like a low key, lower stakes rehearsal day. And he there was a camera crew following him around where he showed people around the set. And uh, it took me from being a person in the audience watching a Spider-Man thing I don't like to thinking about what it would be like to be a performer in that show. Mm-hmm. And they seemed like they were having a lot of fun. Uh, it, it seemed like, like he was just talking about what he has to go through to get to his, uh, um, what do you call it? The, when you bow, what do you call it? Curtain call? Curtain call, yeah. So yeah, to get to his cue on curtain call. Because uh, he does the final big swing around with no mask on where you know it's him. Mm-hmm. And he lands up high. And then he has to, uh, during curtain call, he, come, he drops down from the sky like upside down Spider-Man. And so he was he was showing the path he has to take after he gets unhooked from his thing and goes out the exit and then has to go all of these like behind ways 
to get to the new point so they can hook him up on wires again and then have him drop down. And he was so casually talking about like, and I have to be sprinting at this point because it's impossible to get there on time. And then I can hear a cue. It's from the stage managers, but I can hear it over the, over the radio, a cue something, something, something. I know by that point I have to have hopped over this thing here where I'm not going to make it in time. Like he had this whole pathway lined out and he was just so delighted at all of the, all of the mechanisms that were happening. And he like showed the, uh, the wire system that was all running for him. And he was just like, well, isn't this crazy? Like, isn't this crazy that we do all this? How fun, how, how fun. Uh, he just had such a good attitude about it that I was like, I don't know, maybe it would be fun to like play Uncle Ben in that musical or something, you know, just to like <laughs> sit back and watch the chaos happen. Uh, I sure. guess that's enjoyable. Just be out of harm's way. Yeah. Your character um, gets shot, but you know, you're, you're safe. <laughs> yeah, that happens off uh, off stage. Um, should we talk about like the production timeline? Because <clears throat> if we talk about what happens in the show, there's the, the difference between <clears throat> what the show it, that initially was during previews and mm-hmm. then the show yeah. once it opens. That's like two separate things, right? Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, I want to talk about. I, I want to talk a little bit about um, Julie Taymor. Yeah, uh, and I, I just so okay. So the producers of this show. Um, I mean, one of the one of the problems was like the the lead producer, the producer who was like, "We're gonna do this thing," <laughs> um, uh, died. Um, like yes. right before. Uh, you know, contracts were being finalized and everything. And so it really fell off the rails pretty quickly. And because he was gone, Julie Taymor just sort of took over the production, yeah. which is typically a bad move in theater because producers, um, the way that one of the producers talked about it was like in theater, the producer owns the ship and the director captains the ship. But mm-hmm. when when uh, when the captain becomes the owner of the ship, things can get wonky. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what happened here because Julie Taymor just started. I mean, she just took this thing over and didn't really seem to have any understanding or respect for the source material in yeah. any way whatsoever. No. Um, and created this thing that. From a distance, it was like a it was like a Monet. Like from a distance, it looked like Spider Man, but then you'd get up close and you'd be like, "Wait, what? Swiss Miss? What is this?" <laughs> you know that Spider Man villain that everyone knows and loves. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, you know, it was it was a mess, and she was fired um, during previews, and yeah. it was sort of the book was rewritten by uh, Roberto Aguirre's Sarcasa? I don't know how Sarcasa, to pronounce his yeah. name. Yeah. Sarcasa. Um, From he's the, the guy... Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Right, right. He does Sabrina and uh, Riverdale. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, okay. But here's the thing. Roberto, um, still not the best choice here. I mean, I guess it's a thing where it's like he's trying to fix a sinking ship. And there is no fixing a sinking ship um, <laughs> of this magnitude. It's like he's trying to fix the Titanic yeah. while it's sinking. Um, mm-hmm. So there's only so much he could do. Maybe if he had been given the book from the beginning, it would be better than what it turned out to be. Um, but he was just trying to plug holes, I think. I, yeah. I just don't know. But I, I still don't know if he was the right choice. But I get in the Venn diagram of things. It's like, oh, this guy likes comics and he's also a gay playwright. 
who likes musicals. So like, yeah, what a great it, fit. Yeah. yeah, it feels like a good fit, but maybe from the ground up, it would have been a good fit. But I don't know if he was the best choice for plugging holes. Yeah, because um, he just that- has a different he has a different like um, uh, creative outlook than I think where the, the play was. At that at that point, right? Um, I think yeah. there are too many things that were too integral in Julie Taymor's version of the show that yeah. that couldn't be removed by that point. Like the, right. uh, the like all the Greek the, stuff. The Greek, yeah, the Greek spider god, you know, goddess. She was had to be left in in some capacity at the very least, even if she wasn't left in entirely, or, or what? Like she, or she, if she wasn't taken out entirely, right? 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 It's one of those things where it almost feels like a better approach to this type of project would be to have like people come in who are like maybe writers of Spider-Man comics. Um, well, I guess Roberto Roberto did write a few, but like to write out the story ahead of time as a Spider-Man story and then work with the musicians to create music and songs that weave into that after the fact. Whereas this was like, we're in concept land and music land and the, well, the story we'll get to it and then we'll, mm-hmm. you know, organically work our way there. And by the time they organically work their way there, something is lost, but there's stuff that can't be undone. And it, yeah. it is this big convoluted thing. Um, and part of it, part of the problem too, is that Julie Taymor was such a, huge name in broadway because of her success with the lion king yeah that no one was questioning what she was doing because they were like well i mean she's a genius so she knows yeah Yeah. um and part of the problem too was with that was that like i read glenn berger's book and glenn berger who is the original playwright for this he wrote the original book um basically julie taymor took his book and just rewrote it and added all of her own stuff to it um and so i don't know what his original book was like if it was a little more grounded than all of this but i mean she really just took over which is kind of a a no-no right with with the stage like that's you you don't you don't rewrite the playwright like you the playwright is like gospel and all you can do is add style to the substance you can't you're not supposed to rewrite it, but she rewrote it to the point <laughs> where they had to give her a credit on the book. Yeah. And she got paid out for every performance of this thing, even after she left. If you think about like what was the the impetus behind like, all right, well, don't like let let Julie do whatever. She's a genius and she is so successful, huge moneymaker. If the example the prime example of that is the insane success of the Lion King, well, she didn't write the lion king you know no no. like that that wasn't her her strengths there which i think are still visible in the final product is like you know conceptualizing like visual impact on Mm -hmm. on stage and the the way that you know the things that you do that make a beautiful image in front of you that is dynamic and changing and shifting and moving all of that, like creative insight is mm-hmm. I still, I think kind of tremendous in this show, like, you know, moment to moment watching this, it's full of like images that I'm like, damn, that's awesome. Or that's weird. Or that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the same as having an authorial voice on s- storytelling or narrative or 
theme right. and whatnot. And it seems like when this project came to her, she was like, well, I don't know or care too much about Spider-Man, the character. But what's interesting to me about the idea of somebody gaining spider powers and right. <laughs> being like a like deep tissue theater nerd, like, of course, you're going to go to Arachne. And of course, you're going to be like, oh, how do I connect this back to... Aristotle's poetics and Greek theater and the chorus and all that. And then that's how you end up with like a, a bunch of geeks being a geek chorus and <laughs> writing the show as you're watching the show and Arachne, like having the whole thing. Like I understand that impulse. It just doesn't belong here. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going <sighs> to go so far as to say, I do not understand that, inf- that, that impulse. <laughs> and I, it's, it, it's I I find it to be the uh, uh I don't know like it, it it's like Julie Taymor was just like I don't care like I don't care I'm gonna do what I want to do and it's like kind of. she felt no responsibility to the source material at all um which I guess gives us something as insane as this but I mean ultimately <laughs> what she made was basically like. Batman and Robin with a U2 soundtrack. Like I, you know, like I don't, uh, okay. Like some of the visuals are really cool in the yeah. stage show. Like I, I really like uh, Norman Osborn's lab. I think that looks cool. I like yeah. um, the, the, you know, the way that the Spider-Man green goblin Chrysler building fight looks. Oh that yeah. Scene is so cool. The, the Chrysler yeah, building coming over the audience is yes. unbelievable live. Yeah. Can't oh imagine. man, it looks yeah. so cool. Uh I mean that stuff is really really cool, but when the story is absolutely meaningless on every level. Yeah. Um I just don't care. Like and I don't I don't care about a story about like Spider-Man being like, "Well, I beat the one bad guy. I guess I can stop being Spider-Man now." <laughs> <laughs> and then it turns out he didn't even beat that bad guy because he came back with friends. Well, because you have the geek chorus come in and rewrite it, because like Spider-Man's ultimate villain has to be unstoppable for for reasons for reasons. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I don't know. I guess the the empathy I have here is like I have been like you know in a low level like like in college theater like been a part of like projects where things start to spiral in one direction and nobody can reorient the ship on time and a lot of talented people can make a big piece of crap if the captain's not particularly uh, um skilled at, at at pointing the ship where it should go uh that i i can empathize and understand how something like this twists out of where it should have been and ends up in a weird space and it's just this is such a bigger scale version of that uh that where you might have on a, on a smaller scale, run into roadblocks sooner or like have somebody be like, yeah, no, that's insane. You can't do that. Well, you can do it. We have the biggest budget that's ever been on Broadway. Sure. Like sky's the limit. You're the biggest moneymaker. This is going to be the biggest show. There's no guide rails uh, pushing you back over. I, I can see how this happens and I, I feel for the people involved. That doesn't mean I forgive them for what they did. <laughs> I guess <laughs> I <guess it's, laughs> I don't know. You can make a Spider-Man show on Broadway. Uh, just the idea of a, not even specifically a musical or a rock opera or whatever. Just like, hey, Spider-Man in on stage. 
I don't think that that in and of itself is impossible to do. I do think if you are trying to compete with the type of visual spectacle that the audiences expect from the movies they've just seen where Spider-Man is flying through the air in the streets, I think that's probably almost going to always lead you into weird areas like the the danger that we end up in the legacy of this show. But I don't think the concept in general of Spider-Man on stage is impo- an impossibility. People like him because he's an interesting character. Well, and if you sure. just don't have that guy on stage, then none of the rest of it matters. Yeah. Um, I also just think a big problem with this is uh, Bono and the Edge. I mean, I don't... <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't... I don't understand... If you want to turn Spider-Man into a rock opera, fine. But like, maybe just get some like actually talented musicians um, instead of like your These guys? dad's favorite. <laughs> I I just this, this is like this. This would be the equivalent to me of like getting Aerosmith to write a Spider-Man musical. Like I don't. <laughs> I just like I just don't understand. Where's the impulse? What I'd about like to go you two? Spider-verse. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about yeah. what about you two like scream Spider Man to 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 these nothing, people like nothing no, nothing nothing it's like I'm sorry but this music is garbage like I was listening yeah. I've listened to this album so many times and I just can't get over the fact that it doesn't even sound like a good U two album like there's no <laughs> there's no bangers on this there's no like radio hit. Like all of this sounds the same, and it all sounds like trash. Okay, do you not um, like the 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 guitar riff in uh, "Boy Falls from the Sky"? I don't no, like any why, of it, Brian. Why would I want a guitar riff? Oh, I love I don't the like, guitar riff. It's so good. <laughs> I don't like any of this. Not a single thing. Oh Nothing. man. I, the thing that strikes me with it, and like again, the caveat being, musical theater not normally my bag in the first place, but I can get myself in the space to have fun with it. Uh, I, generally speaking, when a, when a song from a musical like sticks with me, it's because the progression of the song over the course of the song itself mm-hmm. is dynamic and interesting. That a lot of things change. That the the lyrics themselves are fun and interesting to hear, and that mm-hmm. like there is a, a unique challenge to the performer, and uh, stuff happens in the song. Basically, is what right. I'm saying. If, if I think yeah. about like. Um, there are worse things I could do from Greece, or if I, uh, I don't know. I think of, if I think of any like song from a musical where I'm like, I don't really listen to musicals, but I do know every word of that. Yeah. Those songs that stick out have stuff going on that changes over time. In this yeah. show, I cannot think of a single like section of music that has stuck with me. The only thing that sticks with me are individual lines that get stuck in my head. Like where Peter goes, rise above over and over and over and over that's the yeah. like it's and you will rise above like that's all i, I hear i don't I hear a literally, song before we started recording i literally watched three versions of a freak like me loves company and if you put a gun to my head and said <laughs> sing part of a freak like me loves company i can't do it i can't do it because these 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 songs are terrible they are terrible they I, are. I agree with you on this but i can sing freak like me needs company <laughs> we probably have more practice <laughs> yeah um i mean the, these songs are they're they're just they're awful and i and i just think i i'm like look i know that like what i'm about to say is like 
somewhat controversial, I, I would imagine, because, you know, like, I'm not a big musical theater person. And so, like, somebody will probably be like, Man, you don't know, you don't know anything, you don't know what you're talking about. But like, it is of my opinion, that if every single song in your musical is not a banger that you want to hum right after you hear it, you shouldn't be doing it. Like you just shouldn't, it shouldn't exist. It shouldn't exist. There shouldn't be filler songs in musicals. Like (laughs) the reason that the book of Mormon is so successful is one, it's funny Two, Mm -hmm. like the story is good, but three, every single song, every single song is an absolute banger. Every single one. Um, I know that that doesn't happen all the time. That's it's impossible for that to happen all the time, but that should absolutely be your goal. And this is the most half-assed dog shit soundtrack. (laughs) I I just, I can't, I can't believe this was actually released (laughs) like this. Yeah. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. They never did the full cast album for one. Oh, they didn't? No, like, at all? no, the album that came out is just the, like, just some highlights. I'm like, you, <laughs> oh. Bono sings some of the songs on those. Like, it's not even oh, the gross. cast half the time. Wow. Cool. Yeah, yeah, love it. Wow. So, yeah, th- that album is not the cast album as it's as it should be. It's, it's a mess. You know what I, you know what I would love is if just like, I don't know, we're in the midst of the coronavirus right now. Let's yeah. like what what are what what's what's uh what's Evan Rachel Wood and Alan Cumming doing? Like how about <laughs> the two of them and and uh and Carney get together and just record all of the songs from this and just release it and just like on YouTube or something. But Evan Why Rachel not? Wood and Alan Cumming dropped out. They weren't even in the show. Oh, I'm aware. Yeah. I'm aware, Brian. <laughs> I don't care. I want their version of the show. Okay. <laughs> I don't care about these people I've never heard of. I wanted to see the version of the show where Alan Cumming played the Green Goblin. Like I think that people sounded do like what's awesome. his face. What's his name? Paul. What's the name of the Green Goblin? That's Paul something. He's in Hades Town now. Yeah, like he's, in, he's real good. People love I'm, him now. I am. Yeah. I am sure they do. I don't <clears> care. <throat> um, <laughs> I don't care. Uh, I'm sorry, but if I want. If I if I'm going to watch a, a a musical where the Green Goblin like is like I don't know like uh 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 uh, uh Rocky Horror Picture showing himself all over the place yeah I want it to be Alan Cumming not whoever that dude is um, <laughs> I thought he did okay Patrick Page is the he one was plays him. he uh, was fine I he's fine but no one is going to be good as the Green Goblin because this right. show sucks. <laughs> So (laughs) I would rather have Alan Cumming doing it so that at least I'm like, oh, well, I like him. Alan Cumming. I like him. Um, I think literally every sense, though, is the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Every performer in it, I think, is uh, really doing decent work. They're just they have nothing to work with. Um, Yeah. That was the main thing, like looking at the Reeve stuff and checking out. I, I think he's a really like strong performer uh in terms of i mean it's hard to to tell i'm not watching it in the medium it's supposed to be seen in but i also watched him just like singing other things and uh such a such a tremendous voice and his vocal control is impeccable and he is just he seems like such a decent kind-hearted guy it is weird that he does look exactly like jared leto like that's weird (laughs) Uh, but i can i won't hold that against him 
Uh, <laughs> just, you know what they should have done before they closed this show mm. is they should have, and I think we've talked about this before, Zach, but mm-hmm. um, uh, was it was it you that had the theory or your friend or something had the theory that they should use high frame rate 3D technology mm. to film all plays and release yeah. those in theaters as yes, in always. high frame rate? Yeah. yeah. So it. So it feels like you're actually watching like the you're stage physically show. there. Yeah. yeah. I think you're watching it as it's intended to be, which is in high frame rate as we see reality. I have exactly. always felt like it is just a shame that more shows don't do pro shots. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of, yeah. Like, yeah. The fact that we are watching, we're watching Spider-Man turn off the dark in a terrible, like mm-hmm. uh, in that terrible camcorder, version, camcorder <laughs> like sneak, yeah. like it had to be hidden because there was an usher nearby or something every right five minutes it, it's a shame it's it's yeah. awful yeah. and not even just for us but like for you as an educator if you're teaching people about theater right wouldn't it be nice to be able to show people clips of shows no, well and so here's the thing but, i do think like i'll do that and fairly recently like, like i do musical monday every monday with my students i show them clips from musicals and nine times out of ten i'm, I'm showing them a clip from the tony awards because they'll do a tony uh, the musicals will do a tony performance yeah. and they started pulling those from youtube because they started selling them on itunes and i'm like oh what God. the hell like these are the one of the very few visual representations of your show that is readily available for people and you are not you're taking them away and charging two bucks for them. Yeah. 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 No, it's well, the same. Well, and, and, and the other thing that bothers me about filming these live performances as they're done currently is that they try to shoot Ugh. them like they movies. Put the visual grammar in. Yeah. Like, they they right. like, try they to like cut. make cuts and they, Ugh. and they, they do close ups of actors. And it's like, this is not how you're intended to watch this. Just get a high frame rate 3D camera, set it up in the perfect spot in the theater and then just play the show out like period just exactly the way that you always do don't zoom in on anything just show the stage in its entirety because that's how these shows are meant to be seen Mm -hmm. and then play it in a movie theater in high frame rate 3d and it would feel like you were literally there yeah that'd be amazing but it's, doing it, all these close-ups and cuts and stuff, it, that's not how you're supposed to watch this. I, had, I went over to a friend's house, and um, she was having a, a birthday party like a couple months back. This was before uh, the world broke down. But <laughs> um, uh, she had a birthday party, and she had a Cats-themed birthday party. And so she was – Cats was still in theaters. So she showed the Broadway – like oh, videotape yeah. of cats from like the 90s was, oh, yeah does, from the 90s and it's are not just like to be viewed up close <laughs> no. No, no no and i was like this makes even less sense like this <laughs> because you're just cutting away from the performers doing the song just to get like a cat person going right up to the camera and like scratching their hand at the camera and going like it just like it's stupid (laughs) it's stupid stop making plays try to look like movies when you're shooting them it's why i'm dreading the hamilton thing because i'm like you're just it's just gonna you're gonna try to make it look like a movie i know that that's how you shot it because it's how they shoot all plays Mm -hmm. and it's maddening but if they had shot this in the way that i'm describing on the mezzanine center mezzanine yeah, shot it in high frame rate 3D. They could have released this in theaters and gotten their money back. All yeah. that that sixty million dollars in a that weekend. They, yeah, in a weekend. that sixty million dollars that they lost. Everyone wouldn't have went and saw it because they're like, I have to see this. This is yeah. insane. I gotta know. 
Yeah. I can't go to New York, but I can go see a Fathom event in high frame rate 3D <laughs> and watch this thing. I, I would have in a heartbeat. Of course, yeah. I, I would so, absolutely done it. God, it's so stupid. Like It would have cost them maybe an extra $10 million to do that, and then they would have been able to – I mean, fan, fan, uh, uh, Fathom events probably would have paid for it, number one. And number yeah. two, like they would have made that entire money back uh, over a weekend, like you said. Handily. Um, yeah, and just in general, I think that that should be done with um, big theater production. I mean, speaking as somebody who like went from working primarily in theater to working primarily in film and television, I, the thing that I the thing that I loved about theater uh, was that that wonderful like the I, the joke I made earlier where I was like, "You were in the same room as those people." Like that <laughs> is the that's the charge. Yeah, the atmosphere is incredible, and to to be in a space where the the visual grammar is about moving what's in front of you through space and time uh, is an entirely different skill set, entirely different philosophy than when you're watching a film and the visual grammar is about changing your point of view. Right. And I don't, I don't like when they try to make one the other one. I love when the, you lean into the strengths of it. I remember like going to see a show at the Royal Court Theater in london and i was like furious while i was watching it It was a small independent uh you know production they were doing there and it was they were trying to make this like super gritty like war thing about like soldiers in afghanistan and they were trying to do it like documentary style but in like a theater and i, I like what frustrated me so much about it was like they were very clearly trying to make like a movie style super gritty take on this scenario it doesn't work in that medium like like lean into what the medium does well like on stage lean into the fact that you're there with the characters when they when they sing they are singing to you when a person steps to the side and they do an aside Mm -hmm. in like a shakespeare play you become their co-conspirator and you're there with them like that's the strength of the of of the medium there and so when i watched that show where they were like they had a gun to the guy's head and like, are they going to blow his brains out or not? This is the scene. I'm like, yeah, I'd be worried if I was watching a movie and this was happening, but I know you're not going to blow out this guy's brains in front of me. Like mm-hmm. th- not, this doesn't work. None of this works right now. Right. Um, and so the idea of <sighs> when you have this unique art form that plays out on the biggest stage possible, it can only be seen by so many people who are available that the weeks that it runs and who live or can travel to the city where it plays in and have the money available to go and see it. I wished that that type of art could be seen by much more people. And the only way I ever saw that that would be feasible economically was what you were talking about right there, Scott was you have to adapt technology to recreate the feeling of being there, not Mm -hmm. try to turn it into a different medium. Right. Right. Um, Right. That's my soapbox. So I'm just I'm I'm disappointed that before closing that they didn't that they didn't do that they didn't do that like you or just even like, just to uh, save it for no like just just to save it like just to have it like just to for history right? you know Broadway history absolutely like, fil- film it and keep it and put it don't even release it uh, if you if you don't if you're afraid of releasing it like yeah. like why don't but film it so that it can be like in schools. You know, yeah. and and things like that. Like I just, I don't, I don't understand. Like we're never gonna see this musical, never. 
Like it's never going to, (laughs) they're never going to restage this because it's too expensive. It was never going to go anywhere on tour because it's impossible. There was a a point. uh, There's actually a website that is still up that they were going to do an arena tour. Oh my God. And it's still, it's still up. I think it, I can't remember what date it was, but it's like, Oh, arena tour, Spider-Man turn off the dark coming like 2015 or something like that. (laughs) It's still up. That's not happening. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Well, that was another thing early on in the like when they were developing this thing that like it if they were going to make this weird type of thing they were making, it probably does deserve to be in like a purpose-built arena like a Las mm-hmm. Vegas stage show or like um I saw a weird horse show in Los Angeles like 6 years ago uh, <laughs> that was like it was like Cirque du Soleil but there was like horses and it was in this a uh, purpose-built arena and it was like kind of ridiculous but also delightful that like oh you build the space to fit the show that you're going to do if you have to cart horses in and fly people around and stuff but they were trying to do it in this like old historical proscenium theater i don't know man doing it in new york was one of the bigger mistakes that i think they made if they had done this as like a las vegas show it would have done so well so well because then because then you could have equated it with cirque du soleil which is basically yeah. what it is anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then if you call it, I mean, literally, if you called this exact show, Cirque, Cirque du Soleil presents Spider-Man. Oh, my God. I wouldn't I have, would like, I would have no issue with any of it because I'd be yeah. like, oh, it's Cirque du Soleil. Like, I know what I'm signing up for. Like, it's right. going to be weird. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's not going to be accurate to the to the source material in any way. Um, I, like I would be more open to it, I think, than I am as a Broadway show because it doesn't yeah. even feel like a Broadway show to me. Well, especially once they sanded off the weirder corners, like when uh, Roberto came in to like revamp it and like, all right, well, let's get rid of most of the Arachne stuff and let's get rid of all of the Greek chorusy things and let's revamp it so he doesn't kill the Green Goblin and right before the the intermission and and all that it works slightly better as a story, but it's just so boring in the end. Like I almost would have rather seen the like more bug weird, pardon my French, <laughs> uh, the, the more bizarre version of this that Cirque du Soleil does, you know, like where, yeah, like we've got Arachne up the wazoo and we're also going to have Anansi the Spider-Man in here. And we're also going to like, you know, the skies will part and like go go crazy with it. Fine. <laughs> but we end with this thing that like isn't what it wants to be and isn't what it should be and mm-hmm. is just like caught in between these two worlds that I don't know who gets what out of this. Having said all that. <laughs> I, I just want to pause you just for yeah, a yeah. moment just to say that <laughs> I would I I would pay a lot of money. Uh, to hear Patrick Page dressed as the Green Goblin calling Spider-Man bug. <laughs> 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 That's fair. That's totally fair. Anyway, continue. Um, well, I was just going to say that like uh, this, the show doesn't really work on any of the levels you would want something like this to work. And it was too expensive to run week to week and it didn't make the money back and had to close. It would have taken them like seven years or something to seven years the... have sold out yes yeah, <laughs> seven that years theater, that's the biggest theater in broad on broadway good lord how many seats is that uh, it's 900 
No, Good it's more Lord. than that. It's over a thousand. Uh, oh, the, the the doc the the video essay said nine hundred. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they added something. It that's that's insane though. Like a like a the four hundred theater, theater right? Is Fox it's, theater. It's now called the Lyric Theater. It's where Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is now. Oh, oh, uh, gotcha. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> huge either way. Uh, but to have they to sell probably, out, they were probably very thankful for all of the crap that Turn Off the Dark built into that theater. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh no, they fly yeah. to mentors in that show. Oh, yeah. perfect. There Sorry, you I'm go. Keeping the secrets. Oh yeah, uh, Lyric Theater has nineteen hundred. <laughs> 1900 seats oh 1900 okay yeah. so so yeah twice. that's probably what i was thought would be a very small theater is is a relatively small theater for, for oh okay oh, well i was See, i was just hearing to me man. i must have heard 900 when he was yeah. saying 1900 man even like a 400 seat theater feels big to me like I, oh yeah <laughs> yeah only sure. do like 99 seat theaters yeah in my lifetime um <laughs> I think the biggest theater I ever performed in was like six or seven hundred. That was in college, uh, mm. but yeah, nineteen hundred, nine hundred seats would have to sell out for like seven years straight to recoup their finances. Insane, impossible. Um, I mean, said all that in terms of the myriad failures of this thing. What did strike me when I looked up any video about Turn Off the Dark, uh, whether it was the recording that we saw or whether it was excerpts from the earlier versions and previews, whether it was that thing where Reeve was showing people behind the scenes, any like thing that I looked up about this show that was on YouTube, if you scroll down in the comments, there were always people talking about how they saw it when they were kids and they didn't understand what was going on, but they were thrilled to see Spider-Man. And there's something in there that like Spider-Man, even if you stumble over seemingly everything, even if you screw up, his origin and you screw up how the powers work and you add in weird destiny stuff and you have this crazy chaotic schedule that ruins people's lives and breaks their ankles and stuff. Even if all that is going on, mm-hmm. if a kid sees the teenager trying his best, has these powers and tries to help that like lands with them. Mm. And that thing that you mentioned, Brian, about like seeing Spider-Man in the same space as you mm-hmm. and like, him interacting with you like every single one of those videos there are people in the comments going i was a kid and spider-man waved at me and it was the greatest day of my life (laughs) so so spidey himself is resilient despite all of it uh something still worked in there which is wild to me yeah i don't know i um i yeah i don't know all right well let's let's should we like Break down the story. Uh, yeah, why not? <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about uh, version one of this, uh, which is just to the be clear, heavy I saw version two when I saw it. Yeah, okay. yeah. So yeah. Th- this was just in preview, so it hadn't actually opened here. But a lot of people saw this version because there's um, like 170 previews, right? Something. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Most previews so, for any show ever. <laughs> so this is the uh, the Arachne version. This is the full blown uh, Julie Taymor version of the show, which right. was basically like so. Uh, Peter Parker does a report on Arachne. Arachne watching from afar. Is like, ooh, he likes me. I'm going to give him my powers. And so she like <laughs> sets up a scenario where he's going to get spider powers. He becomes Spider-Man. Green Goblin becomes Green Goblin, et cetera, et cetera. All of that happens. And then uh, he kills Green Goblin at the end of Act 1. 
And then like act two, he comes back and he's got, he's got the, he's got the whole sinister six, which is the weirdest sinister six of all time. Um, <laughs> it's green goblin leading carnage swarm, which is the, the Nazi bees bees. Yeah. Yeah. Nazi bees, uh, Craven, the hunter, electro and the li- the lizard and swiss miss so first of all like carnage i mean literally just looks like a cirque du soleil character i mean he looks <laughs> yeah crazy uh swarm <laughs> is just like a a bee a bee dude with like things like sticking out of him that have bees at the end of them yeah it's sort of like springy yeah. springy with, wires yeah like, with like bees you know on what- the end <laughs> When yeah. people used to have their car antennas and they would like stick a ping pong ball on top of it to like, oh, I can see my car in the parking lot. Right. It was yeah. like that, like all over him. Craven has this thing about him, uh, which is like, it, it's similar to a lot of people in this musical, which I don't understand the thought process here. But, you know, you have Peter and Mary Jane and you have like some bullies and a teacher and you have. Uh, uh, Aunt May and Uncle Ben and Norman Osborn and some scientists and they're all humans, regular yeah, humans, like people, people. Yeah. And then everyone else who play who's a person in this is this hideous monster <laughs> with like a giant mascot head, and and they just like wobble around, expressionless yeah. and. Yeah. And Craven is one of those people. He's like a mascot version of Craven. He also has yeah, a lion a coming pop. out of his chest. Yeah, and he sure has does. a lion that he can make roar on his chest. Because uh, despite him wearing it, it is still alive somehow. <laughs> um, so, and then Electro is just like a dude with like, he has like some static electricity stuff on his head and his hands. It looked like yeah. some sort of a, sparks. Yeah. Um, the lizard, which is by far my favorite, uh, the lizard <laughs> is a, a Muppet, what can only be described as like a Muppet scientist, like a, like he looks like a <laughs> professor honeydew, but with like beige skin. And then when he turns into the lizard, a T-Rex rips its way out of his chest, like the alien and alien, <laughs> but still has like the dangling corpse of Doctor Connors uh-huh. like around its hip. Yeah. What I love oh, about boy. this about uh, about lizard though is that this was long before this the advent of the inflatable dinosaur costume. Yeah. And oh, little right. did they so, yeah. know that if they had just <laughs> taken this technology and sold it, they could have made their loss back. They absolutely yeah. could have. If they if they had foreseen how big of a thing this would be on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, they could have just patented that technology and and they would be fine. Um, uh, what what uh, you know what what can you do? But then then of course there's Swiss Miss, which is the oh, original boy. villain uh, created for this for by the Julie Taymor. Um, no one knows why she created this character. No one knows where it came from. What the? I mean, everyone why is she just named seemed- after a hot chocolate. Why she's named after hot chocolate. Um, I mean, she looks like a living Swiss army knife, which I assume is the Swiss miss of it. I also assume she wanted like a, like a female character in the villains. And yeah, Spider-Man doesn't have a great many female villains like black cat end of list, I believe. Yeah. Um, especially at this point. So yes, 
She probably so, just thought, well, I don't want Black Cat because she's too much like Catwoman, so I'll just make my own. And uh, and she'll be the knife girl. This is what she came <laughs> up with. Swiss Miss the knife girl. Yeah. I don't – she I, looks She looks like a living uh, Swiss army. She looks like she was invented by the father in Gremlins <laughs> <laughs> and became sentient. <laughs> that's That's what she looks like. She can do everything. She slices, yeah. she dices. Yeah. <laughs> this attachment over here, it's like a it's like a skirt, but it'll actually slice your veggies. Yeah, it's God, it's if a they lot. could have just had more fun with, with this where it's like he just like like the green goblin like you know, cracks open a beer and like uses one of her accoutrements to open the bottle. <laughs> like <laughs> I would have forgiven Swiss Miss. Yeah, just like super her. casually, like all the all of the all of them. She just like you know, like somebody needs to like uh, cut some meat, and she just like leans over and just like does it with her head or something. Like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they could have just found some more purposes for her other than just looking like, uh, like a like a a Sailor Moon villain. Um, yeah, she's like a spiky chandelier person. Yeah, do anything. Yeah, she kind of looks like um, like a Harlequin, you know, in yeah. a way, like yeah. a little bit, like a. Like a medieval Harlequin, just made of knives. <laughs> but made of knives, yeah. Yeah, that sounds cooler than it is actually. Like we we'll just just Google it. Yeah, whatever you're it's imagining, just just lower your expectations. <laughs> lower your expectations a lot. Yeah, it's really bad. Um, so so then the Sinister Six are around, but Spider Man quit being Spider Man, and then arachne like is like, hey, you have to go be Spider Man. How do you like that? And he's like, I don't like that. He's like, she's like, you have to stop seeing Mary Jane because I love you. And he's like, no, I love Uh, Mary Jane. This is you're dumb and you're a spider lady. I don't like this. And then uh, he I guess he gets his spider powers back and then defeats the Sinister Six. And then he has to fight Arachne because she kidnaps Mary Jane. And then he's she has like a a dream sequence where she tries to marry Peter. Yeah. She, well, well, no. She tries to marry Spider Man specifically, right? Um, yeah. Because it's like it's like Spider Man in like a tuxedo, <laughs> which which again sounds like something I would enjoy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yet, uh, and yet, and then he yet. defeats Arachne, and then that's the end of that. <laughs> um. So that's like that's like the first version. Now, how does the second version differ from that? Uh. uh it's more streamlined. Yeah. It's just more the, streamlined. The Arachne stuff is essentially, she is not a villain in any way. She's not like, she. there's no fight with her. She, you have the report at the beginning. You have, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm not sure if she inf- even influences the, the spider coming in to you know, bite him, anything like that. She is there, hmm. but she is yeah. definitely less present. Right. Yeah, she like shows up after Uncle Ben's death. Yeah, uh-huh. she sings "Rise Above." Like, yeah, when Spidey like doesn't know and he has to be- become Spider Man, she has like a bit where she explains the colors of his costume. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> it's like it's like red for all of the hearts of the innocent who are like, <sighs> good God, hurt or whatever, and then like blue represents like the sorrow that he's gonna. Pre- tech people for i don't know it's dumb but so it's she's like a madam web-esque like uh hey you're you're down in the depths buddy but like you're you're special you got to remember that don't yeah. don't worry mm-hmm. type of so influence. i do want to give this 
musical credit for three things. Hmm. One, it does. What if Peter Parker was destined to be Spider-Man before Amazing Spider-Man does it a year before? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I don't like it, but they did do it. They did it first. They did it first. They also they also do the uh, rising when falling from into the Spider-Verse imagery imagery Uh first. Um, They did that first. And three, the Spider-Man jacket that Carney wears is really cool. That does rule. It it rules. I wish they would sell that jacket because I would absolutely buy one. 100%. Uh, yeah. That that jacket yeah. rules. It's the it coolest cool thing of the whole musical <laughs> is that jacket. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of like I, I guess to describe it, it would be like if if someone did like a Smallville take on Spider-Man. And they're like, right, right yeah. we have to get him to wear the costume, but it has to look like real clothes. It's almost like Disney bounding Spider-Man. Yes, yes. it totally so is. He's wearing like a Spider-Man <laughs> t-shirt that's just like a red shirt. With the symbol on it, and then he's wearing a jacket that has the that has the, the, the Spider-Man web design on it. Yeah, with it's like blue, embroidered into it. Yeah, it's like with like textural. the blue on the on the sides, Size. and like yeah, it it's just it's real dope. It's real cool looking. I don't know. It looks rad. Yeah, yeah. it really does. And like you see him wearing that and singing and like jumping around with his sneakers. I'm like, yeah, ah, it's Peter Parker. Look it's at what him. he's it's what he's wearing when he's fighting Arachne to stop her from marrying him. <laughs> yeah um it's a whole thing yeah uh <laughs> i i yeah so like in general it's just i i don't i don't get it i don't get like how is this the best way to do this as a musical how it's not no right yeah. it's not yeah no it's like not. it's it's just it was just this snowballing thing where it was like Julie Taymor and 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 you two and they were just making this crazy show and I think they just spent too much money before the producers were like wait is this bad I think this might be bad <laughs> <laughs> Is this bad? Yeah, I think it's bad. I think Dang. this is really bad. I think it's really bad. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I uh. I I can't even get excited about costumes, you know? Like No, the costumes are bad. I don't even like the spidey suit in this. I mean No, because is the weird glowy thing behind the spider? Yeah, eh, uh, I mean I, I guess I could talk about the suit a little bit, I guess. So the sure. this the suit that they have for this one, um, which I've seen some breakdowns of before, uh I don't I don't mind a lot of the technology they're using for it. I think it was actually kind of um uh, the techniques they were using were pretty smart. So it is much like the film suits, uh, like Lycra poly blend for the, the stretchy outer layer. And then there's muscle padding underneath that. And then there is, um, they had specially made uh, Puma shoes so that the, the soles would be extra grippy and they had ankle support inside this, the suit, which is what they ended oh. up doing for the later movies after this. Um, yeah which is pretty cool. And they, they had special stuff woven into the gloves so that they were extra grippy so they could move around and grab stuff and whatnot. Um, up, up close there, their workhorse, you know, items of, we got to do thousands of shows in these and they're really built super tough. All of that. I appreciated what bothers me about the suits is literally the design of what they look like. The, the red and the blue bleed into each other at the edges. There's no like, 
borders there. So there's this weird purplish area in between all of them. And it's, it looks like it's sort of been like half-assed airbrushed is basically, mm-hmm. it looks like a bad piece of like graffiti, honestly. Yeah. Um, and then the, the so they did that first too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. The, web, <laughs> the webs aren't raised on it, but they are, uh, they're printed to look 3d. If that makes sense. Uh-huh. With like they're silver webs with black outlines, basically. Um, the, the spider emblems themselves are hideous. And most of that I probably could forgive were not for the fact that they have, I think, the worst masks, uh, uh, period. Uh, they're just, they're so ugly. Um, Spider-Man's eyes are really wide apart right. on them. Yeah. And they're, yeah, and they're really white. And they built the front of the mask out of a, a mesh, like a, a porous mesh. Um, that's like, um, I think it was vacuum-formed uh, kydex or, or hard plastic like that. Um, but basically that it would be a, a firm shell. The idea behind that being if the entire thing is mesh, then the performers are no longer limited like in my costumes or the movie costumes where you can only see a narrow range out of the eyes because mm-hmm. the eyes are the only part you can see through. The entire front of the mask is actually see-through if you're oh. wearing it. Uh-huh. So because they had to build it that way because they're swinging around so much and doing things that are very dangerous, they needed as big a range of vision as possible. That's cool. I'm totally down with that. But for some reason, and I think it is that initial version of the uh, of the show where there's the wedding with Peter Parker. There had to be a scene where he wears the mask and they take the mask off and he's Peter Parker under it with his glasses. They made the mask big enough in the face that you could wear glasses underneath it. So his profile sticks out like a weird egg. Oh. and And it just looks so bad like no no matter what angle you look at that suit from he he looks kind of like somebody squished him weirdly like they didn't finish modeling the face right or something so again it's it's interesting technology it's interesting approaches to building these costumes it just looks awful it just (laughs) looks bad and it makes me upset to look at it but i'm sure in quick motion if you just see him strike a pose it looks like spider-man you know like, yeah, hey, or if you're 100 feet away from there. him, you know. Yeah, yeah it probably sure. looks okay from a distance also. Oh, um, I mean, and- that's probably why the spider on his chest is so gigantic. It's just so you can <laughs> see it from far away. Yeah. I and when he gets know. close up, you know, you're just so excited that he's so close to you that you don't care. Yeah, yeah. you're just thrilled that Spider-Man's there, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I just wish it looked nicer, basically. That's all I'll say about it. Yeah. I do think it's hilarious that they... Uh, there's only one because it is a full on padded suit. They take a while to put on. So there's only one time in the entire show that Reeve, the lead actor actually wears the Spider-Man suit. <laughs> oh yeah. It's at the, the very end and they have, uh, they have green goblin do this whole piano bit on the Chrysler building where he's uh-huh. vamping for a while <laughs> and doing this. Like it's, it's a bizarre break in the flow of the show, but it's delightful because like the performer is really charismatic and he's just playing piano and saying random stuff. He's doing that. So they haven't, the dressers have enough time to get Reeve into the Spidey suit. Cause every mm. other time before that you, you see Spider-Man it's Reeve as Peter Parker leaves the scene. And sp- when Spider-Man comes on, it's a stunt performer. It's not him. Right. right. Um, every other time, but they needed to do it that way because in the final scene, Green Goblin unmasks Spider-Man and you see 
for the first time, Reeves' face in the Spider-Man suit. But it's the only time he wears it. Right. Which is, I don't know, ridiculous. But yeah, so they have an... The, the reason they have that whole weird beat with Green Goblin just doing random stuff on a piano is just to give time to suit up Spider-Man. So, uh, speaking of the Green Goblin, isn't... isn't um uh, Well, first of all, uh, speaking of the Green Goblin and, and suits, um this yeah. this thing is... I mean, just the most ta- Julie Taymor looking thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and it is, I mean, it is hideous. Um, it is, uh, I mean, it, it is the worst, like the absolute worst iteration of the Green Goblin ever. Visually. Yeah. Anyway. Visually. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, he's and def- Amazing Spider-Man 2 exists. So that's saying something. Like, yeah. This is ooh. worse. This is worse yeah. than that. Um, and you know, I, I do in general, I don't mind his like Frankenfurter vibe. Um, sure. I, you know, it's, that's cool. I think that he could have played it up even bigger though, which is what I think that Alan Cumming probably would have done, um, mm-hmm. is to play it a little bit stronger, play that aspect of it a little bit stronger. Um, but yeah, he's like what he's got like shoulder pads and it's there's so many like things sticking spike. out, little spike things, and then he's got his hair pulled back. It's really and, it's awful. Um oh, and he is bright neon green. Yeah. He's not like he's not like a like a, a prime what do you call it? Not primary color green, but it's not like a forest green, it's not like a normal it is like it's yellowish green, bright yeah. neon blaring in your face it's hideous um yeah Yeah. it's 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 really one of the most hideous costumes i've ever seen um (laughs) i i can't believe that it made it all the way through to the stage as is like yeah yeah mind-boggling to me there's a Um, lot of stuff i'm amazed made it through the way it is i mean yeah for sure for sure and that's Um, half the reason why i enjoy this it's also why i love the cats movie because i i'm so fascinated that these things just got signed off on by so many people (laughs) yeah it fascinates me yeah just make it through all the filters how it it certainly fascinates me but like only to us only to a certain extent you know like (laughs) the background of it fascinates me but i don't i don't want to watch this um (laughs) like i just i don't i don't i don't know i just can't i can't get over it it's just so hideous like it's so (laughs) bad um so so okay so there's so there's that but then the other part of of uh norman osborne that i want to talk about one his lab coat pretty dope um also yes yeah Yeah. pretty pretty dope it's got like a cityscape on it i don't know how to explain that (laughs) um it's got like a pattern on it that like it's like a silver lab coat and he's the pattern on it looks like the chrysler building (laughs) Yeah, he's like if Doc Brown had more money and was like, "Where is it? Pick this up." Is it like yeah. micro? It's like microchip stuff. Is that what it is? I maybe if we didn't have to rely on bootleg camcorder videos of this show, we would know because yeah. we would be able to see clearly what's on his jacket. Yeah, I think it's some sort of microchippery. I don't know. Um, anyway, it's cool. It's a dope jacket, but yeah. uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't remember which version of this it, it is. Maybe it's in both versions. Um, but, uh, was I, am I correct to understand that in this alternate universe, uh, Harry Osborn doesn't exist because the Osborns decided not to have children. There seems to be no evidence of him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was like a little conversation, a little aside that they have where he's like, do you ever regret? And she's like, no, I know the kind of man you are. 
He's like, because yeah. he, he says that line where he's like, do you think when you like, a boy like that when you Peter, see a boy yeah. as great as Peter Parker, do you ever like think that maybe we made a mistake when we decided not to? And she's like, no, you're a brilliant man. And I knew who you were when I married you. And he's like, oh, okay, good. And I was like, wow. <laughs> so they just, they just yep. like Harry Osborn just doesn't exist in this universe. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. But Flash is there. Flash so, is there. Uh, you know. Kong is there. There's a whole the bullies have their own song. It's yeah, they bizarre. do. They do. Yeah. They have a bully uh, song bully while they're bullying numbers. Peter. Yeah. <laughs> what does that even mean? I, I don't <laughs> know. I, it's funny because that song is not on the soundtrack. It's not it's not no. one of the ones that's on the soundtrack. And yeah. I, I we I started watching it and I just go, Oh god, I forgot about this song. Yeah. <laughs> I had blocked it out because I've only heard it the one time. Right. I I wrote down a note and in the first 20 minutes of this show or, or the the version 2 run through I watched. The first 20 minutes of that show, nothing but Greek book reports and bullying happens. Yes. Nothing. Yes. Nothing but Greek book reports and bullying for 20 straight minutes. And then we get uh a a directly just unapologetically stolen just plagiarized from the <laughs> from the spider-man movie oh yeah i i need money for a car so i can get the girl <laughs> and so i'm gonna go wrestle bonesaw mcgraw only in this version <laughs> bonesaw mcgraw is portrayed by a balloon <laughs> i i did kind of respect that he was a literal blow-up doll yeah it's just a very big inflatable and in like he like Reeve just gets in there and wrestles him. Yeah, he wrestles <laughs> a balloon. He just he just wrestles a bone. So how many <laughs> how many performances did he accidentally deflate Bone Saw McGraw? Oh, how many man. times did that happen? Like accidentally pop that balloon. God. Had to have happened at least once, right? Yeah. The prop master has to like get out the repair kit so they can patch bone saw. They had to keep it really oh, far away from Swiss Miss at all times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, There's two inflatable villains in this, and one person made of knives. Yeah. Uh. Oh man. Yeah. So so inflatable bone saw McGraw. He wrestles inflatable bone saw McGraw and. In a, in a, in a, uh, uh, so like everything in this show, the perspective of everything is like real wonky. Like he's in a classroom and there's a chalkboard at one point, and the chalkboard is like this bizarre, like warped looking thing because everything's yeah, skewed. Yeah, everything's trapezoidal. Every, yeah, 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 exactly. It and makes so, Toontown at Disneyland look like naturalistic. Yes, it does. <laughs> it, it, so like the, the ring is tiny like it's it, it's like the size of a bed like it's yeah it's yeah. a tiny ring so imagine a tiny ring with a blow-up doll of bone saw mcgraw i don't even really want to like, call this a doll it's a balloon like it's, it's a big balloon it's like uh yeah. it's like a balloon like a mini version of like what they would fly at the macy's day parade like totally yeah uh, just just upright so it looks like he's standing there so <laughs> it's that and it's like it's like seven and a half feet tall. This balloon, I would say. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I don't know. That's that's I'm I'm basing that off of the idea that that Reeves Carney is like I don't know six feet or something, something. like that. So, but yeah. it's it's a good like foot foot and a half taller than him. 
Um, and <laughs> it takes up a lot of space in the in the ring. And then <laughs> and then he is just just struggling with this balloon, like like that that scene in Ed Wood when he's like. When he when he's like monster. when he's fighting the monster, the it, yeah, the yeah. tentacles, and he's like, "Oh no!" and he's throwing the tentacles around. <laughs> Frank Langella, um, yeah, when uh, when he's playing Bella Lugosi, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's what this looks like. But it, but the ring is the size of a bed, so it's just this tiny space, and he has to fight this thing. It's, I mean, it's just like I don't, I just, I don't know, you guys, I don't know. This is uh, yeah. I went into this ready to open my heart to this thing, and it is impossible. I can't. <laughs> it's I just, rough. Yeah, I just I can't do it. I can't do it. It's too bad. Um, it, like the le- it, it's something that needed it, to be seen live with an audience. Sure, it's just what I've been saying about Cats, the movie. You know, it, uh-huh. everyone everyone said hell no to me. You know, for you know, it, it continued to say hell no to me on that one. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would put Cats in the theater as one of my favorite theatrical movie experiences of all time <laughs> and just as it dawned on everybody that this is what they were in it for was, collectively it was great it was so <laughs> much fun it, this this is like i because like you know i can be charmed by bad things uh like like you know like zach was talking about with venom like we're aware yeah. that venom isn't a great movie but also it's glorious and we love it yeah it's delightful right. and we'll so watch it, it all the time Oh, oh, Brian, you oh, will Brian. love this oh, movie. Yes. Boy, that's uh, a movie for you. Yeah. Uh, that is, yeah, if there was ever a movie for you, it's Venom. Um, oh, good. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the best romantic comedy of 2018. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, but yeah. It's a, it's a romantic comedy about uh, a man and his uh, alien symbiote, and uh, it's about them falling in love. Um, <laughs> it's very sweet. It's very sweet. Bizarrely so. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I, so I, I can, I can, I can be up for that kind of thing, but this show just gets to a certain level of like, I think the re- the difference between something like Venom and something like this is that this is such an oddity that it, 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 it's not like even the difference between the room and this, right? So yeah, like the yeah. room was made by someone who was genuinely trying to make something that he thought was good mm, and yeah. was genuinely like had a passion for what he was making and had a passion for whatever he thought the message of the movie was, right? He was like, the world <laughs> yeah. needs to see this. This strikes me as something that was made by a director who wanted to who just wanted a paycheck that was equal to what she feels she felt she deserved after making something like the lion king and mm-hmm. yeah. spider-man like a, a, a musical based on an ip like spider-man was basically the only game in town that was going to be able to pay what she felt she was worth so she took the job despite having absolutely no passion for the material at all and then it was yeah. made by musicians who just thought, oh, wouldn't it be fun to make a musical? That's something we've never done before. Let's just uh, – we'll do the Spider-Man thing. So again, that no passion for the material. They just wanted to see if they could do it. And producers who wanted to make a Spider-Man musical because they were like, well, Spider-Man is like the biggest character ever. So let's sell out and do a Spider-Man thing. And – 
It was so it was just it was just made by a bunch of people who didn't give a shit about any of this. Uh-huh. And yeah. the result is something that feels like it doesn't give a shit about anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a, a a show ostensibly. This is a show of some kind about Spider-Man where the villain's the Green Goblin and they they don't do anything with uh Harry Osborn or Peter's connection to Norman at all. It doesn't doesn't think that relationship matters at all. No. And it's a it's one where Uncle Ben dies because of a random carjacking, basically. Has nothing like, to do with the wrestling situation. No. Not really. And like Peter feels guilty because like, oh man, I was wrestling and while I was gone wrestling, Uncle Ben got hurt. And the line he has is, Oh, I could have saved him if I was here, but I wasn't here. And like if those are if if those are the types of choices you're making i don't really believe that you get why people connect with this character yeah i'm still amazed like i said earlier that the the kernel of spidey that's still in there is able to get through and touch some people in the audience and (laughs) that's a weird way to phrase it sorry uh (laughs) that he is the part of spider-man is still in there and it's enough of him that people still like connect um if they're young enough or if they're just like there for a day, like, I don't know, let's check this thing out. Oh my God. Well, there's Spider-Man. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that that comes through, but it, it just makes me feel if the show is this bad and people still connected with the concept of Spidey, what if it was a show that, what if it was one that really, really understood Spider-Man? Sure. Mm-hmm. How, how much better that could have been for so many people. What, you know, you know what though, that being said, I think that, you know, the, the, the idea that with great power comes great responsibility in this show translates to you should have stayed home and because you didn't, old people died is, has never been more relevant <laughs> than it is right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Although, wow. <laughs> they still might have gotten ousted on that one by the video game because, I mean, the whole last act of the video game is a viral pandemic. That's true. across New York City. Mm, that's true. And Spider-Man's got to find a cure. Yeah. You know? That's true. Maybe that's better. So did y'all know? But he still, uh, he still has to let the old person die. Um, that's, well, that's not so great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, everybody who hasn't played that game. Spoilers. <laughs> we didn't say who. Uh, yeah. You had a question, Brad. Uh, yeah. So... This was not something that was mentioned in that video essay you sent. Uh, uh-huh. Early in the development of this show, like when they were like pitching this and kind of talking, starting to talk about this in the early stages, I was following it pretty closely because I was really fascinated by this idea and kind of horrified a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I was following it, and one of the things that they kept saying is that they had this idea that like every six months, every year or so they could change out the, the characters, they could change out the villain. They could change out songs and storylines. Yeah. There was a point where they wanted to make this sort of a modular show that could evolve and change as it went on. Yeah. I mean, that's a cool idea in theory, but like (laughs) in execute in order to do that properly, it would have needed to have a permanent place like a vegas show mm, or right. yeah. something like that where you built it in an arena and this is what it is or if you did the arena tour you could do that too the way that cirque du soleil does an arena tour and you could yeah. change it every season 
Right. So then it's like, oh, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark is back in town. Let's go see it and see what's different this season. Right. Um, ah. You know. Do you think maybe that was part of why they were willing to let the budget sort of balloon so crazy? It was like, yeah, but this thing's going to run for five years or whatever. They probably you know? thought it was going to run forever. Um, I mean, isn't that yeah. the goal, right? I mean, to... Lion King is still on Broadway, so yeah. They... <laughs> yeah. Fair. Julie, Fair. Julie Taymor. It is kind of crazy when you find out that the total amount that Julie Taymor made on making this thing outside of like, I'm sure she got residuals in like the 1000 performances or whatever that it ended up having. Um, yeah. But her fee was, or no, no, that's right. Her residuals, they mentioned her residuals. So when she was fired, she lost the right to the residuals on this and she was paid $36,000 total for the run of the play on residuals like like in a court case or whatever and then a yeah. director's fee of 126,000. So she only made about $155,000 for 9 years of work. Wow. 9 years. 9 years of work. Wow. That's yeah. That's a lot. Guys. That's, that's, about, I don't know how that's profitable this Broadway thing is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. 100 like I know it sounds like it's like oh man, I wish I could have $155,000. It's like you probably have over the course of 9 years. Most people <laughs> probably have. Um it's not a lot of money in that amount of time. Yeah, that's why. And she's Julie Taymor. So, that's kind of crazy, honestly. But I'm sure she's fine cuz I'm sure she's getting paid out for Lion King forever. Yeah. 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 Um, it's like what, fifteen grand a year. Yeah, <laughs> it's oh, bad. It's really bad. Really yeah, yeah. It's a good um, thing that Lion King has never left Broadway. Um, yeah, she's great. She's good. Um, <laughs> it's got like two touring casts and then international casts all over the yeah. world. Yeah, and she's directed some films, so she's got that going. Yeah, for she did across the universe, right? Was that her? Yeah, was that her? Pretty sure. Oh. oh, I know she did the cell. Um, really? With uh, Wait, she yeah, did with, the cell. I think so. Wasn't that her? I thought that was uh, that the guy to the fall. Oh, you're right. I get them yeah. confused. They're very similar. Yeah, yeah. the universe was definitely yeah. Julie Taymor. Oh, okay. Good for her. Yeah. Um, oh, she did sense. Frida. That's what it was. Ah. Yeah, Titus, ah. Frida, Across the Universe, before the Tempest, before Spider Man happened. I really wanted her to do Mulan for the stage. Oh, whoa. Ooh. Um, not so Get much now, though. Disney yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What uh, is Mulan, the movie ever coming out? Uh, it's been delayed thing? for sure. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It probably won't come out until November, along with everything else. It's going to be a busy <laughs> um, time at the theaters. Yeah. <laughs> My Alamo season pass yeah. is going to be a good value <laughs> that month. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I don't, uh, Yeah. I, I just don't know what else to say about this thing. It's a mess. Um, it is a mess. It is a unique mess, though. Yeah. I, Although, I will say this. I would pay any amount of money to have watched Stan Lee watch this musical. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, that makes me sad. Yeah. What, what is... What is what? What's happening? How did? What? <laughs> yeah. And then at the end, they're like, "What, what did you that? think?" Oh, I thought it was neat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought it was real neat. 
It was real neat. High flying spectacle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy. boy. Um New York. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I there mean, was uh there was a uh uh, there's a quote from Alan Cumming about his decision to leave the musical. <laughs> that is, uh, my God, that was a lucky escape. Jesus Christ, talk about <laughs> dodging a bullet. The producer who died <laughs> right before signing the paperwork said the same thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Woof. Uh, yeah, we didn't even mention that, like, six people got, like, heinously injured over the <laughs> front of this show. Yeah. I was trying to avoid that. It, it yeah, dampens my enjoyment of it. <laughs> yeah, it's part of the legacy, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean the the injuries are are rough. Like the the one, the biggest injury, the, the one where the, one. the the where the guy, the Spider Man double, like jumped off the bridge and wasn't caught by the wire and just fell to the ground um, yeah. and broke his he fell ribs. Into the orchestra pit. Yeah, yeah, fell into the orchestra pit and broke his ribs. I, I was expecting is... footage of that in that uh, in that visual uh, or the the video <laughs> thing. I was like, yeah. I was go, oh, like, oh no, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yikes. Yeah, uh, that's um, that's really bad. Content uh, warning that's, on that one. <laughs> that's the uh, yeah. that's the downside of uh, being a backup dancer who gets to play the lead every once in a while, <laughs> right? In the, Is that in the musical? Oh, yeah. he, he went back to the show though afterward oh, i was kind was of he, amazed what, about that was it because he was contractually obligated to or uh, i'm i'm uh, sorry if you if i get injured because of your negligence i think <laughs> i think i can get out of that contract right um, <laughs> yeah probably yeah, I don't know. I just love being Spider-Man. I guess so. I mean, I would. That was a thought I had. I mentioned this on the uh, um, our last weekend bugle where we looked at uh, smaller scale uh, live action Spider-Man stuff. That um, as heinous as some of these performances are, every time I like watch footage of one, there is part of me that goes, "Yeah, but man, I would love to get hooked up to that rigging and like swing around once or twice." <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Scott was telling me y'all y'all talked about Spider-Man rocks. Yeah, yeah we did that. We did that on the weekend bugle. Uh, you guys can, you <laughs> guys seen, can go I've back and listen to that too. if you're a Patreon supporter. Oh boy, I, I yeah. saw that uh, my my first time at Universal Hollywood. That Incredible. is, um, uh, that is one of the worst things that I've ever had to watch. Uh, was Spider Man rocks? Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, boy, it's. Uh, I would. I would much rather watch Turn Off the Dark than Spider Man rocks ever yeah. again. <laughs> I'll take uh, that as a win for Brian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm checking uh, here. I don't have any notes left except for one, which is just like in all caps that I wrote. <sighs> you do the Sinister Six, but you cut out Mysterio for a stage production with special effects. I mean, look, I you you cut out Mysterio, you cut out Doc Ock, Doc Ock with like puppet arms, that'd like be real cool. <sighs> That'd have been so cool on stage. Like, imagine him being lifted up by the arms. Like he, so he's oh, on a dude. wire, lifting uh, up, and the arms are puppets, and they're walking for him. Like uh, that would have been so cool to see on stage, and they didn't do it. And when I teach, pu- so when I teach puppetry in my classes, I show videos of different types of puppets, and one of the ones I show is uh, I, I show a lot of the Lion King, and they do all hmm. they. In that they do a lot of cool, like kind of robotic stuff. Like uh, Scar's mask sort of has like these this like hydraulic movements that it, that makes his mask come down. So he's like when he's trying to be intimidating, and look down at someone. And yeah, mm-hmm. stuff like that would have been really cool for Doc Ock. Man, 
I just, I, I think the reason it was in such capital letters is I was just like, you know, it's a special effects extravaganza. Why not? Yeah. I, I was Mysterio, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, right. I, I'll just say it. Green Goblin, not the best choice for a stage show. No. Not the best no. choice. Not the best choice. No. Doc Ock, superior. Mysterio, even better than that. Like, Craven? Yeah. What the hell is Craven even doing? What is Craven this? even doing? Yeah. He doesn't <laughs> do anything. Here's the thing the Sinister Sticks, they do nothing in the show. Yeah. Like, they are. Well, at yeah. least the lizard gets to, like, wobble around like one of those <laughs> balloon guys, like, out front of a used car place. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. the fact that they are, but the fact that they don't have, they're not face characters. They are like they're the mascot costumes. Horror, they don't horrific have any dialogue, mascot they don't costumes. Sing, they don't. They just dance yeah. and spin their blades and Spidey around. Spidey webs them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spidey shows up and webs them. Uh, they pose a lot. Yeah, they do. Carnage boy, does. Can they pose? Carnage does nothing. Like you know, like like Craven. All right, so so you got you got uh, let's let's go through it again. So we got we got Swiss Miss who, you know, she doesn't do anything, but at least she like spins around and like poses and stuff. Like yeah. and she's like she got, she got style. She got choppy choppy knivey hand stuff going on. I mean, you know, yeah. there's something, something there that's fine, yeah. I guess. Um and then and then you've got uh uh craven who like at least in the videos because like when they introduce them they introduce them with these like off-centered video monitors where they're showing news footage and it's like costume fittings of these (laughs) of these sinister six like posing and stuff and like craven at least like rides in on an elephant so like that's something i guess it's like okay he has animals yeah, the domain of animals or something. Right, and he's got his lion chest. That's cool. Um, the lizard, as we've talked about, uh, a cool T Rex bursting out of a dude's chest. I mean, that's something, you know. Yeah, interesting, I guess. Um, uh, a swarm has his bee thing going on. He's doing like lots of like crazy flips and stuff. He looks like a. Honestly, a lot of mm-hmm. these people look like Power Ranger villains. Um, uh, so I was yeah. watching he's- the uh, oh, was it the Freak Like Community's Company on uh. On David Letterman David show, Letterman, yeah. yeah, and yeah, Jenny goes, "What is this, Power Rangers?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what she said. Yeah, I mean, they look like Power Rangers characters, like that's like villains, like that's what they look yeah. like. But like, so like they all do something, but like Carnage yeah. literally just stands there. Like his yeah. job is just to look like Carnage. Yeah, he waves his arms around a little. He does nothing because he's got claws. Yeah, he does nothing. He has. As a villain on of the ones on stage, he probably could do the most things, like you yeah. know, based on his power set. But because they have no way of actually doing that in reality, they just choose to just have him do nothing, and so <laughs> he just he just he just stands there and does nothing. Like he just does nothing. <laughs> You know, Carnage, he's a guy with sharp teeth. Ah, that's all they need. Yeah. He what did, he, he describes him as like he he killed his grandmother and then ate his mother or something like that. What something did they about, say? Something about her dog, I think. Oh, right. Made, like made, yeah. made, made. That's right. Killed his grandmother, murdered his grandmother, and then made his mom eat their dog. <laughs> Ooh. What? And it's then and Goblin's <sighs> like, my kind of guy. <laughs> 
Uh, That's what I okay, got to hang around So with. he also says that Craven loves animals maybe a little too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, yikes, dude. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's, um... What a weird show. Man, I don't, I don't know. Even, like, even, like, Vulture would have made slightly more sense to me than the Goblin with the way that they had him flying around. Yeah. Like... He doesn't have the glider. He just has like wings. Yeah. He's a green guy flying around. Like, yeah. That's the vulture. What are you doing? I think the most awkward part of it, and maybe it's maybe it's the fact that like we could only watch a bootleg of it. Um, I don't know. Brian could probably say that it looks way cooler in person, but the 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 fight where they're like swinging around each other mm-hmm. and like it just feels like they're in like an awkward slap fight. Um, <laughs> is, it's like it's not it looks really bad like they're just like struggling to like reach each other and then they like catch each other and then like like fake slap each other and punch each other and then they swing apart again and then they like struggle to get back to each other again like it's really awkward and bad and I was like is this how it's supposed to be or is something going wrong <laughs> because so, this I'll looks rough this. in that moment I did not notice how awkward it was. And I think part of it is the suspension of disbelief just of being in a live theater production. Sure. And yeah. and just just the excitement of seeing that live, I, I it was it did not register to me. Watching it today, mm-hmm. that absolutely registered. I was like, oh okay, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah. It looks like the Green Goblin is like dog paddling in the air. Like yeah. as he's like trying to get back over to Spider Man. It's it's like they're they're pulling the proverbial punches and the literal punches much, much more than you normally see on stage. Right. And maybe that has to do with the fact that they're being whipped around through the air at speed so that even if you took a swing at somebody, if it was anywhere near connecting with them and you both were moving at speed, it would be like hit it, being hit by a car or something. Yeah. Like oh, yeah, sure. You actually, like they had to really make sure they don't ever connect yeah. or something. I don't know. You're t- and maybe maybe... It's better uh, designed for when you're in the. Team. I mean, yeah, I when I was in high school, I got hit in the face with a two by four in a fight scene because like we were oh. off by like an inch, and I was oh luckily no. we were doing a, we were in a production of uh, Night of the Living Dead. I was playing uh, Harry, and oh uh, was the what's the main guy the lead? Uh, I don't remember. Is it Ben? Because I'm an idiot. Ben, I think. I don't know. Uh, Barbara's brother, though. Uh, he and he like is trying to like board up a wall or board up a window and zombies are like reaching through the window and I'm like doing whatever I can to make this situation like even worse. And he just whips around and is supposed to hit me in the face with the two by four he's holding up. Well, I don't know what it was. Like one of us was off our mark or his grip was off on the, on the two by four hits me in the face. Like I'm like bleeding profusely out of my mouth. Oh, and God. He looks at me, he goes like, like I'm on the floor and he's supposed to like pull me up and punch me again. And he goes, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, just, just punch me, dude. <laughs> <He looks up laughs> and so we go through the rest the of the scene and like, we only had maybe six minutes left of the play. You know, my character gets shot by him later on. It like gets shot and dies and becomes a zombie again at the in three more minutes. Oh so I was like, fine, I can, I could deal with, blood coming out of my face for a little bit <laughs> that oh, is man. hilarious what dedication to your craft uh, you know bud. like that is 
High school junior that Brian, you know, he was very serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I ever got hit real bad. I got I the only time I bled on on a set was a we had a prop knife that uh there's a scene where somebody throws a knife and somebody gets hurt in the hand in a in this play. I think it was a Harold Pinter play. But um the uh, the knife that we got the our our prop master had dulled the edges on it, but the point was still kind of pointy. So she like added a thing of epoxy to the point to make sure it wasn't pointy at all. And uh, the the actor I was acting with did this like gesture where he like scraped the knife along a table and popped <sighs> off the epoxy on the tip. So when he threw it at me, <laughs> it stuck into my hand. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> and I went ah, and like like my character's supposed to be injured in that moment. And he didn't understand what was happening until he got right up next to me, and I'm like bleeding out of my hand. But luckily, it was just like what is supposed to happen in the scene anyway. Yikes! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So uh, yeah, was it like Nicholas Nicholas Angel level injury? Not quite. Not quite. That <laughs> it wasn't like coming out the other side, but it was like slightly cartoony, like. And it stuck there, and then it fell. <laughs> I was like, oh. oh, no. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, man. The battle scars of doing live theater, you know. Goodness. Yeah, I've never, I've, never been, I've never been injured being in a play, but. Uh, oh, man. Lucky Don't you. do plays with knives in them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you know most, uh, most places won't let you do retracting knives anymore, uh, like in any capacity, like professional sets? Huh. Why? You can do them on film sets if you have a specific, you know, person taking care of it. But the thing about retractable knives is there's no way to make a mechanism for a retractable knife that is guaranteed not to bind up. So if you're not a hundred percent, if you're not, you're not exactly in line, there is always a chance that the the mechanism will bind, and as you're stabbing into somebody, it will just stab them. <laughs> oh my oh god. <laughs> so, yeah, I had so a few. You, I had a few retractable knife like toys growing up, and uh-huh, yeah, I can. Uh-huh. I can. That's definitely true. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So it's like you can't get insurance for your play if there's a retractable knife on set. Yeah, they will. They won't allow it. Anymore. Yeah, it was interesting to hear that. That was the reason why this had to close. Is because when their insurance ran out, they were like, "All right, let's renew." And the insurance was like, "No, no, no, <laughs> absolutely not." And that's that's the only reason they had to close. They didn't close because it was a flop. It made lots of money. It's yeah. just that like they weren't open long enough to turn a profit. But yeah, um, yeah, uh, it was so expensive. It made a lot. A lot of money came in, but it was so expensive to run week to week that it would take in so long to earn back the profit. Right. Like, right. So long and uh, too long for the insurance to carry them. Um, I do want to, I want to, I just want to read one portion of the, of the Wikipedia because of the plot of the second version, because I guess like I watched it and I knew that this is what happened, but I guess I didn't put together how absurd this whole thing is. Um, so, so, okay. So this is in act two, this is toward the end of the play. Um, right before the, the big Chrysler building fight. And, uh, uh, so, so Mary Jane suggests that they should take a break from their relationship because he can't like commit. And so Peter decides, well, you know what? I'm not going to be Spider-Man anymore. And he gives his costume to J Jonah Jameson telling him that Spider-Man quit. Then 
he has Mary Jean meet him in a nightclub where he proposes to her. But then while oh, they're yeah. there, the Green Goblin intercepts the city's TV signals, threatening Spider-Man's loved ones. So then he takes Mary Jane home, dumps her right after proposing to her. Mm-hmm. Like you do. <laughs> dumps her. Yeah, dumps her. <laughs> and then goes back to the Daily Bugle and steals back his costume from J. 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 Jonah Jameson to go after the Green Goblin. Oh, my God. That happened all together like that. Yep. <sighs> Oh, and when they go to the club where he proposes to her, it's more you two playing in the, the oh, club. Yeah. It, no, yeah. it's uh, Vertigo. Yeah. And oh, it was Vertigo. I yeah. audibly yeah. groaned both in the theater and watching it again today. <laughs> like, the audacity. <laughs> oh, it made me so mad. I remember going, okay, F off. I remember thinking that yeah. in the theater. It yeah. really took me out of it because I was having a good time until that. <sighs> If you go, if you were, if you went and saw Spider Man turn off the dark, you would hear Bono say, Catorce! <laughs> like that would happen to you. That's a thing wow. that happened to you. <laughs> it's really just, it's just the, it's just the worst thing. Um, okay. So, <sighs> so to wrap up. Yeah. Did we learn anything? Well, I, the thing that I want to talk about is let's say you had your pick over. Say you were the producer of a Spider-Man musical. Oh. Um, right? So let's go oh. back to 2007. Be like, okay, build your dream team. Who's writing the book? Who's directing it? And who is writing the music? Oh. oh wow. Um, what's, what's the better version of this? What is the better version of this? Um, I'm not going to go first because I have to look up some people who direct shows on Broadway. Uh, <laughs> I... I I don't have have an answer here. Scott, do you have yeah. an answer here <laughs> since you're putting this on the spot? I mean, I don't know. I just think I, I feel like the problem is like the choice of music is dumb. Like you two, I don't know why. I just I don't get it. I don't get what their thought process was behind you two. Like that's not Spider-Man. I mean, one of the things that I remember uh, when Spider-Man 2 came out and the soundtrack was released and Vindicated was like the big single. Everyone was like, oh, they like figured out Spider-Man. Like, this is yeah. more what Spider-Man should sound like. It's like, it's this. It's not Chad Kroger. It's this. You know? <laughs> and I the feel... hero. Save us. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm not going to stand here and wait. <laughs> so, so I just, I feel like uh, it should be, like, the music should be something dashboard-esque. Um, yeah. Maybe, uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of, like, I, I just I just don't, I don't know. I'm asking because I, I know that you guys know this stuff more than I do. But, like, it, yeah. it's it's just, like, it's also maddening to me that, like, this opened opposite Book of Mormon. Um, <laughs> because Borg of Mormon is like so good, uh, yeah. you know, and it's, this is just the opposite of the book of Mormon. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know, like, I just think about like, I don't like, why not get like Alan Menken to do a spy, like Spider-Man songs, Spider-Man songs. Yeah. Like somebody that is a established, uh, Broadway and like musical, uh, 
writer composer that this is their their wheelhouse yeah like what like what is the equivalent of getting danny elfman to score the raimi movie right what is the equivalent of that in this space um like i would want i don't know who did this but like whoever like directed the successful run of the um the mean girls musical oh, recently so like oh, yeah. the idea of like uh threading a very specific tonal needle mm-hmm. about high school and adolescence and the challenges there and the darkness that's inherent there, but also like having fun with it and that it's funny and strange and weird and dark and all of that stuff together. Like you need somebody with that command of tone. If you're going to do a Spider-Man musical, I think so. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's the vibe I'm going for I was thinking, in that space. I was thinking maybe the director of spring awakening would be good. Okay. Mm. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I I love that show, and I, I think that captures that that age range pretty well. Yeah, but yeah. he would have been working that... on Spring Awakening while the, they were working on this show, so that wouldn't have worked oh. out. <laughs> right, and I'm sure whoever did Mean Girls was probably doing I don't know some huge show at this point in time, like Spam sure. Lot or whatever. Um, sure. Yeah, I mean, that, I've, like I've said for a long time too that like I I personally feel that. Joss Whedon should probably stop working in film and television and start yeah, doing stage stuff. To... Yeah. Um, yeah. Because like, I, I feel like I literally think if, if Joss Whedon and I guess I think it was Jed Whedon, right? Joss and yeah, Jed. Brother. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, if they like work together on a full two act, like full two hour Dr. Horrible Broadway musical. Have you been reading it my would diary, be, Scott? It would be insanely, <laughs> it would just be insanely successful. But like, yeah. that's another example of like every song in Dr. Horrible is a banger. Oh yeah. Every song, yes. every yeah. song, every single song. Like I am a sucker for duets. Like I love a good uh-huh. duet in a, in a Broadway mm, musical. My it's my favorite so thing. Good. My eyes is yeah. absolutely unbelievable. It's so yeah. freaking good. Um, and the fact that the duet in Turn Off the Dark, which is in theory a good du- – like it's a good idea for a duet to be like, yeah. oh, he doesn't want to be him because – like he doesn't want to be himself anymore because he's a nerd and he gets beat up. And she doesn't want to be herself anymore because of how hard her life is. And yeah. the audience is seeing this and being like, oh my god, they're so perfect for each other. Like – if they could just, they don't know. but they don't know. Yeah. Like it's so good in theory and in the execution, it's horrible. It is a <laughs> yeah, terrible song. It is a nothing. It's a nothing song. And the entity. lyrics are the worst. That's the biggest problem. I think with this musical is that the lyrics are the absolute worst, but yeah. the city conducts a symphony. I search your trash for a melody. I hate everything. God, I hate the it all. back to dignity. He literally sings uh, of humanity. I, I hate, me I hate everything about it, and if you keep going, Brian, I'm going to hate you too. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah, I hate that line so much, but it's it. it I laugh so hard every time I hear it. <laughs> the lyrics are terrible. Um, Absolutely, I I, I I don't know. I just I I feel like going after someone. I mean, they're so focused on getting stage people involved i almost wonder if it wouldn't have been better suited for them to like try and reach outside of those circles and find people out and just be like yeah you know would you be interested in 
maybe helping us make this work and feel like, I don't know, the spectacle that we want it to be because right now it's not working. Um, yeah. I don't know. Very clear. It's, it's hard to find who would be right for it retroactively. Right. But it seems obvious that the people they got weren't right for it. Yeah. And maybe if the, you know, original producer had survived, he would have been able to sniff that out or something and had been able to see the, the longer game plan and see how they have to readjust this and whatnot. But it's, I don't know. So many individual strange things had to go wrong in order for it to snowball into this. And, um, it's kind of sad. It's kind of funny, but it's also sad. It is pretty sad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When you think about Spider-Man, you know, a thing we talk about on the, on the main show a lot is this idea that like, Spider-Man as a pop cultural presence is so big. And one of the delightful things about him is that he's in all sorts of different mediums that that might be someone's first, uh, first brush with Spider-Man and that's how they fall in love with the character and how, how cool it is that he is malleable and can exist and thrive in video games and comics and movies and, you know, books like the idea that in theater, the only version of Spider-Man on stage that anybody knows about is this. And mm-hmm. it was such a big opportunity to introduce the Not that most people going to see Spider-Man on Broadway didn't know who Spider-Man was in general, but like those kids who saw it for the first time and then, wow, I got to see Spider-Man and this is why I care about him. How nice would it have been if there is a Spider-Man show in that medium that we could feel passionate about Mm -hmm. that somebody could bring up in conversation and be like, oh yeah, how cool was it that they made that thing? And that's why we know about it. But now every mention of the idea of Spider-Man on stage has to be couched in a joke about how they kept hurting the stunt people who broke, you know, like I think about Kimmy Schmidt. There's the, the joke Spider-Man. about, yeah, Spider-Man two, too many Spider-Mans. Cause there's just a million Spider-Mans and yeah, we, we have to recast this cause we, you know, injured every other Spider-Man that we had. Like mm-hmm. there, there is no discussion about Spider-Man on in theater in that medium that doesn't have this as like a laughing stock attached to it. And that mm-hmm. sucks. I don't know. Yeah. There's that weird moment where, um, in it where, uh, Mary Jane and Peter are, uh, talking on, on like, they're like on their way home, I think. Uh-huh. Um, Oh, on the and treadmill. On yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it on the, tr- on the treadmill that keeps like moving around. Um, and, <laughs> and they have that, uh, he like makes a joke about a fantastic four musical. <laughs> And, and he, and she's like, she's like, uh, she says something about like, she's like, oh yeah, like I'm going to be in this thing. And and he's like, oh, is that that fantastic four musical? And he's, she's like, no, like, (laughs) 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 um, and, and I just was like, I just wanted to point out yet another thing they did first. They made a joke about a fantastic four musical before arrest development season four. So my gosh. hmm. Yeah. Wow. So props where they are due. We've. Racked up a unique list. So in terms of things that did it first, it's the Simpsons at the top of the list. Mm -hmm. And then the second (laughs) thing is Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. (laughs) Brian, is there a Spider-Man Turn Off the Joke 
turn off the dark joke in the sentence. Oh, so there is, actually. You know, okay, so oh, there, is, uh, there is an episode <laughs> where uh, Lisa, she writes a... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she writes a, a, a graphic novel called Sad Girl. And with her mom, with yeah, Marge. W- right? Yeah, so Marge writes oh. it and she draws it. or vi- No, Marge draws and it vice versa. and she writes yeah. it. And so they and they get uh, bought by uh, bought uh, for the musical rights, and they make a oh. they make a musical a stage musical about Sad Girl. Yeah, and here's and it, it like the 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 director is very Julie Taymor esque. It's a man, but he's very fanciful and and has these big visions. And they have these giant puppets. And here's the best parts, Zach. Here's the best part. They actually use the overture from Spider Man: Turn Off the Dark. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually like of of like it's it's it was last season I think that episode. I think was... it was it was two or three ago. It was, was it really? Yeah, it's it was recent. Yeah, it's still pretty recent in the whole grand scheme of things. But it um, it, was... it was actually a good episode. Like yeah. for the new ones, it was like actually a really good episode. I forget what made me watch it. I think because it had something to do with comics, and I was like, oh, interesting. Fair. Um, yeah, I'll check it out. I'll, I'll watch it. Yeah, sure. Elsa Let's... Bechtel guest stars in that episode. I remember that. Oh right. Oh yeah, because she leads the. Doesn't she lead the, uh, the 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 oh what is it the, the ha- like the the yeah yeah the, the Comic Con panel about um about women in the industry and the panel is made up of all men right um, <laughs> that's and I was like wow that's a really good joke uh, yeah. um what was the what was the name of her comic again. Sad girl, sad girl. Okay, uh, I, st- I yeah, searched from- sad boy. Uh, do not search Simpson sad boy. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, this uh, was from season twenty nine. So th- this would have been two two to three years ago. Yeah, twenty seventeen. I guess 29. is when it aired. Okay. Um, yeah, it's called Springfield Splendor. Uh, season season twenty nine, episode two. Yeah, I, I felt like Disney that, Plus. <laughs> I felt like that episode was made for me because I was I yeah. was watching it. I was like, oh my god, they are actually using the Spider Man score. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a good episode. I actually I really do like that episode a lot. I do too. Yeah. All right. Um, every Check once in a while out. they get a good one in. Yeah, but uh, uh, there's uh, also twenty anyway. nine. Uh, there's also I believe. An episode where they go to New York and there is a, a poster for Spider Pig the musical. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Yeah, that's nice. That's one too. And actually, I think on the Lego set for the Quickie Mart, I think there's a there's a poster for Spider Pig the musical. Oh, yeah. It's like nice. a, it's like a little decal you put on the wall or something. Oh, that's good. Now, now, uh, Spider Ham came before Spider Pig, right? Yes. Spider Pig was from the movie. Yeah, the right. Movie. Yeah, because okay. it came out the same year as Spider-Man Three, right? The same summer. Uh, yeah, I think, I think so. so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they were like uh-huh. they like they like precursed their trailer to make you think you were seeing a Spider-Man trailer, and then it was oh, the right. Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, one of those yeah, Simpsons. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that's. Uh, I think that wraps us up uh, here. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this special. Um, April Fool's Day uh, edition of uh, Spider-Man Minute. Deep dive on Turn Off the Dark. And uh, if you like this, uh, maybe think about becoming a Patreon supporter because uh, the amount of Patreon support we have is what's going to um, basically going to determine. Yeah. 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 Determine 
at what level we cover the next Spider-Man movies. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, check that out, I guess. Uh, all of those goals are up on our Patreon page. It's duelinggenre.com slash support. And you can also get the Weekend Bugle where we talked about Spider-Man Rocks, as well as a Spider-Man stunt show from Thorpe Park in Sussex, uh, hey, UK. Hey. Um, so check that. Yeah, British stunt show, Spider-Man stunt show. Um, so uh, we talked about that on the Weekend Bugle. So if you want to hear us talk about that, you can do that um, on the Weekend Bugle uh, on Patreon. Uh, plus, you'd get all the other things. It's only three dollars a month. Helps us out a yeah. lot. And like you can I hear said, us talk about the Star Wars on there. Yeah, that's all true. We Star do Wars. the Star Wars commentaries over there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, so check that out if you're interested. Help us determine um, how we cover uh, the next Spider-Man movies. And uh, yeah, anyway, oh, you also hear Scott and I talk about the the upcoming Spider-Man ride at Disneyland. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's true. We did yeah. that. And also you should listen to Brian and I uh our new podcast theme park this. Oh yeah, it's a good time. Yeah. We uh, we take um, a concept, a movie, TV show, we we take a we we make a theme park out of it. Mhm. Yeah. That's what uh that's every episode of that. So, at some point we're definitely going to do a Spider-Man episode. Oh, for sure. Um at some yeah, point yeah. in the future. Uh but uh for now uh that's where you can check us all out zach do you have anything you should you want to plug oh apple tv right you should oh yeah yeah apple tv uh mythic quest season one is up on apple tv uh w- watch it uh you can spot me occasionally if you want uh but more that just we want more people to watch it's it. less and, uh, it's less where's waldo than you'd think though you you have a couple yeah, of not a lot of me you it. you have a couple of like featured extra roles like where you're yeah. like you're like up front, like like real, like you're in a crowd shot, but you're like the front of the crowd. Um, or there's like that scene with you in the hallway where you like react oh, right. to someone, um, <laughs> which is pretty. And you, it was just you in the hallway by yourself, so that was good. Yeah. I was like, oh, like there he is. Where's Waldo on uh, easy mode? I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Check it out. It was a really fun show to work on. Um, I'm pretty proud of how it turned out, and uh, hopefully we'll be making season mm-hmm. two soon. Uh, it's it's really good. I'll- it's worth. It's worth the price of admission for the show itself. Having Zach there is uh, is a is a, a lovely bonus. Um, but the, <laughs> Thanks, the but the show is very good. So um, awesome, yeah. <laughs> so I recommend people checking that out. Uh, all right. Well, we will talk to you again. I don't know. Sometime. I I don't know on the main feed. Honestly, we don't have the answers to that yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure we'll have another uh, hiatus special at some point down the line. Um, I just don't know what it's going to be yet. If you have suggestions, let us know. Um, And uh, we'll talk to you then. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.